Tuition relief and the workforce crunch are some of the issues that have shown a light on community colleges. Today, we talked to the president of White Mountains Community College about being recognized as one of the top community colleges in the country, a great college to work for, and breaking ground on an advanced technology building in the North Country. I'm Matt Mowry. I'm Nathan Carroll, and welcome to BizCast NH. Matt. Yes? This is weird. Um, The end of the year is approaching fast and furious. When did that happen? I don't know, because I thought it was like April the other day. So, I don't know. No idea. Um, Looking back, though. Yes. How's it been for you? It's been a crazy year, as you know. Yeah, did you do anything exciting? Oh, you know, just bought a company. (laughs) Um, You know, a little thing like that. But yeah, you know, it's it's like you blink and, you know, all of a sudden my four-year-old is towering over me as a 13-year-old oh and, you know, I have the last year of middle school and the last year of elementary Oof, school. Milestones. I know. Next year, I'm a middle schooler and a high schooler. That blows my mind. I'm sorry to hear that. I know. God help me. <laughs> but you made it this far. I did. You made it, uh, you know, almost through Hair 2022. Intact, very gray, but intact. Listen, it's not very gray. I mean, if I had to it's scale of one to 10, it's like a six. My mother, every time she sees me, oh my gosh, your hair's gotten more gray. I'm like, that's not what she's supposed to say. Give me a break, that's lady. I, well, I remind her that some of us do not dye our hair. That's right. I said it. Oh, mama. Hello. Oh my <laughs> so God. So how has the year been for you? It's It's been good. It's been good. I, I have no complaints, right? Because I'm upright and operating, as I like to say, and um, did a thing, you know? Uh, and um, I don't know. I guess, you know, it's just one of those things that it's like every year, especially with kids, every year it feels like it's just going faster and faster and faster and faster. I'm like, oh, I my know. Goodness. Before I know it, we'll be talking to our guest about whether we send our, where to send our kids up his oh way. God. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Exactly. Oh, my God. Um, so real quick note for our listeners, uh, the next two weeks, the week of Christmas, the week of New Year's, you will not have new episodes of BizCast NH, but that's a great time to catch up. Up on ones you've missed. So there we go. But uh, let's move on to the good stuff. Our guest this week is Dr. Charles Chuck Lloyd. Chuck has served as president of White Mountains Community College since 2017 and maintained successive positions in the community college system of New Hampshire for 20 years. Chuck is also a professor, professor for graduate level leadership courses at Champlain College and Granite State College. His volunteer work includes board roles with Mount Washington Valley Chamber of Commerce, New Hampshire Higher Education Assistance Foundation, Granite United Way, and the Governor's Commission on Alcohol, Tobacco, and Other Drugs. Originally from Franklin, New Hampshire, Chuck graduated from Keene State College with a Bachelor of Science in Physical Education, earned his Master's Degree in Education and Certificate of Advanced Graduate Studies from Plymouth State, and his doctorate in higher education administration from Northeastern University. Chuck, welcome. So great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, it's it's really our pleasure. Um, it's exciting to have you because we've got so much exciting stuff to talk about, and we get to dig into you a little bit. Um, I typically try to keep bios short, but I felt especially that we had to sort of highlight all of your education over the years, given your role. Um, And to that end, I'm really curious where your passion for education comes from. 
Yeah. Thanks again. I mean, this is a, this is a lot of fun for me just to be with you. And I had an opportunity uh, earlier this year to, to meet Matt just uh, in passing at the BIA event nice. a little while back. And he said, we're going to talk about all things education. I said, well, <laughs> it starts early. <laughs> Let's start there. And, uh, yeah. you know, for me, Franklin, New Hampshire, born and raised. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I came up through this system. I, I actually started at a Catholic school personally and then transitioned to public school. Golden Tornadoes, Franklin High School, <laughs> uh, played sports, played basketball. And uh, you know that's where I developed the the phys ed love was you know geez I can I can go to phys ed a couple periods a day and but then you know as you get to be a junior and senior people start asking you the question right you you know you're at the barbecues you're at the family reunions what are you going to do after high school where are you going what are you going to do what are you going to do and uh, and I was I was that student not unlike a lot of students in uh, in New Hampshire and beyond to say yeah. I don't really know yeah. I hadn't thought about it. So my passion for, for education and really guiding students' pathways came from living the experience of not knowing what I wanted to do, what I wanted to be when I grow up. And mm-hmm. uh, it, was, it was stressful. It was very stressful, and it doesn't have to be. So you know, the short answer is I was that guy and that kid, and I, I want to be able to help those students. Cool, cool. So what, um, what drove you then to be in higher education administration. I mean, so I was actually, I have, you know, folks know I have a list of questions and one of those was about this physical education degree, but obviously we've, we've, you know, scraped into that a little bit, but I think it's, I, I think that, you know, you're, you're obviously a, a great role model for the, the students that you work with and, and that are in the community college system. But I also think it's that you're a great example, like you said, of not um, having an idea and it's okay at 18, 17, right, not to have an idea of what you want to do for the next 50 yeah. years, you know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that was a sort of sidebar just to say that somewhere y- you found a passion, maybe a spark for education and, and, and doing what you're doing now. Do you ever sort of recall that moment or that time frame in your life? I mean, frankly, I went into physical education because it's the only class in high school I loved. You know, I'll, I'll, oh, be, wow. I'll be very honest there, and, uh-huh. and uh, I never worked in phys ed a day in my life. Wow. You know, the education part stuck. You know, when I went to Keene State, I got involved with student government and community service and volunteering, nice. and that to me was the connection. And mm-hmm. I said, geez, this is, you know, what we would call now a retention strategies. You know, getting students involved, getting them connected with their others, building relationships. I said, geez, is there a way I could ever do this for a living, mm. foster these relationships, find ways to keep students together and rallying around. And, and fast forward a couple of years after Keene State, I'm at NHTI in Concord working, coordinating student activities, nice. leadership programs, <laughs> bringing people together. And it was, to me, that was that was the, the, the morsel, the nugget, if you will. I said, geez, there's something special about this. Yeah. I know a number of folks who, who you know, actually went to school for aviation or, or computer science and found the same kind of love because it was, it's that connectedness, right? In that in community, whether you're in a four-year institution or a two-year institution, which I think is a nice little segue into asking you um, to just sort of highlight, give us your elevator pitch or, or uh, if you would, on White Mountains Community College. Yeah, absolutely. So folks that don't know, White Mountains Community College is one of the seven community colleges in the community college system of mm. New Hampshire. We're up north. And when I say up north, it's above Plymouth. Uh, <laughs> people think Get out Plymouth your maps, starts, folks. Yeah, it starts the White Mountains region just because there's a sign there, but that's actually the center of the state. Uh, so we cover the northern three counties. We're in Berlin, Littleton, and North Conway. And I'll say our, our fourth is online. We have mm. a lot of students with online courses. We'll talk about that a little later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but for 
us, you know, the, the passion up north is about don't forget about us above the notches. You know, and that goes for folks in Concord, whether it's from a funding angle, but also th- it's a great place to live, work, and play. Mm. What easier way to recruit and say, hey, you want to come up and take courses a few days a week, get your degree, but in the evenings, weekends, et cetera, you can ski, you can hike. I mean, there's just so much to do. And uh, it, it just makes it easy for me to be able to say, this is, you know, arguably the best place on earth to, to come to college. And let's talk a bit about community colleges and the evolution of them. So there used to be a, a stigma attached to them, right? You know, it was the place that if you couldn't get into a four-year, you're going to a community college. But it seems like the tide has really turned in the last few years, and people are realizing that they're an essential piece of the education um continuum, Mm -hmm. Um, whether that is being able to go get a degree, affordable degree and get into the workforce to get a degree while you're in the workforce or to get a um, more affordable entry point into a four-year degree eventually. So can you talk about why and how that um, change has occurred? Well, first of all, I'm going to have you start doing some commercials for me, Matt. That was, that was pretty darn <laughs> well good. Done, sir. I, I'm not sure I can touch that pitch. Uh, you know, I, I always tell people we have the worst business model in America. We have to be all things to all people. You know, the piece you didn't mention is, is high school dual enrollment, mm-hmm. students that are sophomores, juniors, seniors taking college courses. That's become a big piece of our portfolio. And whether students come directly to us after or not, we, we hope they would, but if not, if they go on to the four year, they're leaving with credits at a reduced rate, very affordable, very accessible. Uh, during the pandemic, we saw a major spike in high school students taking college courses because they had that flexibility. You know, some of them didn't have sports after school activities, and they're coming right to college, which was super cool. Wow. Uh, but to be all things to all people, sure, we've got the traditional student fresh out of high school, 18 to 24. They're coming in, and they're more in our cohort programs, mm-hmm. you know, just by and large, our diesel heavy equipment, automotive, culinary, et cetera. Uh, but we also have the non-traditional student. Uh, and those are the students coming back for, you know, changing careers. They may have learned their career went away during the pandemic, for example. Uh, they might be just changing careers because of a skill set or whatnot. Uh, last year, uh, you know, in May, I, I handed a diploma to a 17-year-old and a 76-year-old oh, on the same stage. Awesome. Two totally different places in life. One just finished welding, one just f- finished a liberal arts because he wanted to complete his degree and didn't have one. Uh, just different places. So, uh, you know, the other thing that stands out around affordability and accessibility is you can swoop in and swoop out. You know, when I was at Keene State, I'd go back to NHTI and take a course or two and transfer it back out. Uh, there were people working at, uh, you know, in Littleton, Genfoot's a great mm-hmm. example. They're saying, geez, I'd like, I just got promoted, but I'm, I don't know how to manage people. I don't know how to be a supervisor. Come back for some business management courses or our supervisory training. So it's, it's all things to all people, but when it's right for you. And can you talk about the depth and breadth of the courses that are involved? I don't think people quite understand um, what community colleges offer. And in, in speaking to that, can you talk about how you are helping to address some critical workforce shortages in, in particular industries? Yeah, great question. So first of all, a lot of the community colleges way back when, when they started the 1940s and 50s, started out as technical schools, Mm -hmm. really technical programs. Then they grew in the 80s and 90s to be comprehensive community colleges. And that's what we are across the state, frankly, in White Mountains Community College. So we offer a whole suite of uh, allied health programs, the LPN, the LNA, the MA, the RN. I mean, it's all there, but also criminal justice, business administration, 
education, human services, conservation law, and then we do have our technical programs. I mentioned auto, diesel, culinary, mm-hmm. uh, but welding is one of our major programs and meets industry. So transition to your, your second part of the question is, how do we meet industry needs? We are responsive. You know, we, we are arguably the easiest community college uh, sector to be able to pivot when the need changes. So, for example, we've always had our RN program, nursing, but we had a, a need a couple of years ago for LPNs, and we just didn't have the LPN, Licensed Practical Nursing Program. And we said, geez, you know, for us to stand that up, you know, hire the faculty, get accreditation, that's a, that's a long, drawn-out process. How do we speed that up? They need LPNs today. Right. Uh, so we reached out to one of our counterparts at uh, River Valley Community College over in Claremont, they have the LPN program. They said, why don't we rotate it up to Littleton for a couple of years, pump out LPNs and see if we can meet the demand with you. So it's not always for us to stand it up. It's to find it, you know, find the resource and provide it for the community. Nice. Uh, that's just one example. And, uh, you know, the other the others I speak of are our workforce training. You know, we get a call in, in Berlin from the uh, the White Mountain Paper Company, and they said, look, we need uh, people to, to come over and be industrial mechanics. Well, we applied for a grant, Northern Borders Regional Commission grant. Yeah. We, we have, we built out curriculum for an industrial industrial mechanics program, we said, all right, let's get that going for you. So uh, we try to respond. But, uh, you know, conversely, if, if we stand up a program and the need goes away, we can shift those resources to where the need's going to be. Nice. Um, I want to, we'll get into maybe talking about some of the partnerships that you've developed, especially, especially for White Mountains. But um, I'm also curious, you said there's what, seven community colleges in the, the community college system. Um, are you typically, or are you more now even, um, working with all of those other institutions based on what their bailiwick, for example, is, or their popular program, or your needs? So what is the interconnectedness of, of each of the schools like? Yeah, I would say now more than ever, and you mentioned I've been in the community college system for 20 years. Now more than ever, we have just called ourselves, we're a well-coordinated system. It, you know, our right of first refusal is to call one of our, our partner community colleges instead of creating a program. Mm-hmm. Where can we rotate that from? Nice. Uh, but we also share a lot of back office systems from IT, our learning management systems, purchasing, uh, legal counsel, you mm-hmm. name it, go right up and down to say, you know, it doesn't make sense for one college to try to go all in for something large. How do we coordinate that? But it's also, it's not so much uh, uh, cost savings or an efficiency. It's how do we support the students better? We provide a better quality service for our students. Uh, that's the very same with with transfer students that say, "Geez, you know, I'm in, I live in Concord, but you know, I'm going to be staying at my lake house up in uh, up in Berlin. You know, I'm going to go up and say, you know, what? I'm going to take some courses up this summer and transfer them back, or I want to go ski. You know, so it's it's got that transferability within our system as well, nice. and then to go on. So we, we work extremely close together, and uh, you know, we even do that with shared positions sometimes of saying, "Geez, I don't have an expert in financial." financial aid, you know, currently somebody transition, could I borrow or buy a percentage of someone's time from Concord, from Laconia? Cool. So we're working very closely together to try to solve those for the students. Yeah. So uh, you, you mentioned um, the positions, and I'm curious, um, tell us a little, just a little bit about the folks that are working at and teaching at White Mountains Community College. I know I've met a few of them, and I was... Um, I was sort of surprised, but then in the end, I was like, no, I'm, I, I guess it's not a surprise. But at just the caliber of their experience in industry, uh, their ability to teach and connect, their passion for it. Um, I've had a few conversations with folks, and it's just like, 
wow, you know, totally blows that stigma out of the water. And I think it's amazing. So tell us about the folks that are, that are doing the on the ground work there along yeah, with you. Yeah. I mean, first of all, that's a softball question. I mean, that's, <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, every time I'm out in the community, all I, all I do is talk about our programs and I don't have to sell, I don't have to sell our programs. Mm. They know the reputation shows up before we do. Right. Uh, I can go up and down. We have top notch quality faculty who are extremely passionate. Our students say it, it comes back on surveys. It's, uh, it's the number one reason we have the, the, the number one graduation rate in New England for community colleges. People make connections with our faculty because they are passionate. They get them hooked in. I can go up and down from conservation law. I mean, we have, you know, Wayne Saunders, who has his own podcast, by the way. We're going to have to share that one with you. Uh, but, you know, up and down. Advanced welding, you know, 100% job placement. When they leave, they're getting jobs to the point where our faculty, I don't know if I should even say this, but our faculty are sharing, you know, pay stubs of the students that just graduated. You want to make some money? You want to go out and help the workforce and provide for your family? Here's what you can do. Yeah, uh, our our faculty are are arguably the most. I'll put them up against anybody from a passion standpoint. Nice. Uh, and that's you know again when I'm out in the community, as you know, you know when I'm meeting people and they're saying, oh, I've heard about that welding program. Oh, that diesel. That's the only accredited program in mm-hmm. New England, and they are killing it. Yeah. I mean, it, that's the that's the fun part. I get to just listen to that. I don't have to sell and say, oh yeah, we have good faculty. Like <laughs> we know, we know. And they're also your neighbors. They're the people living next door to you. They so live in the cool. community. So that's cool. the fun part. We'll be right back. Skyterra is one of the nation's top 50 Microsoft Cloud Solutions provider, and we're proud to be headquartered right here in New Hampshire. Please visit us at www.skyterratech.com to see how we help companies with their IT needs so they can concentrate on their business. All right, we are back with Dr. Chuck Lloyd, White Mountains Community College president. So I want to talk a bit about the North Country. A lot of people in southern New Hampshire hold on to a lot of old perceptions of what the North Country communities are. Failed mill towns, it's where we go to go play, but there's nothing else up there. Can you talk about what the myths versus reality are of the North Country? Yeah, great question. And uh, I, I hate hearing failed mill towns. It's, it's economic transition. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, everything comes and goes. And you heard, you know, I'm a Franklin guy. You know, we used to be a mill town, three rivers. And, well, and now and, look at it. And Franklin has come right back. There's this Whitewater River. You know, this whole, there's brewery scene. There's, I don't know if you've been to Brothers Donuts, by the way. But I mean, Franklin <laughs> has come back and it is thriving at the moment. And, uh, you know, I, I see that happening. I don't know if you heard, $19.5 million coming to Berlin. They've got this state of the art uh, system where they're going to uh, run heat under the main street so you don't have to plow them. So it really kind of creates this vibe during the you know during the holiday season especially but also all winter of saying come visit downtown we are visitor friendly we're not just plowing mounds of snow uh littleton which one of our centers is, is in i mean just a vibrant little town i keep mentioning breweries i don't know why that comes up but another brewery <laughs> in, you know part in of littleton. the economic landscape right? <laughs> it sure yeah. is uh, great <laughs> leadership <laughs> in the north country as well uh, a lot of great local leadership in all of the communities i'll say the very same for the mount washington valley area uh, i mentioned i'm on the chamber there i know nathan you mentioned that great local leadership 
we'll see this happen. A lot of grant money recently has found its way to the North Country, uh, whether it's Riverfront Park in Littleton, uh, bike paths over in North Conway. Uh, Berlin's got some new industry. White Mountain Paper had been you know, yeah. purchased and being turned over up there. Greenhouse project coming up there as mm-hmm. well. Uh, a lot of great things happening in the North Country. So it's it, it's an economic transition. You know, a lot of people that if you want to hang on to the you know 2011, 2008 and going back, fine. But I, I think a lot of people have found their way. You know, frankly, the, the head of my, uh, my faculty uh, in, in charge of advanced welding used to be at the mill. Talk about an economic transition. He's now become an educator and has mentored some of the best welders in, in New England, if not beyond. So I, I think everyone's just finding a way to transition. And you know, I haven't mentioned hospitality and tourism, which got hit the hardest during COVID, but is coming back and thriving now. You know, people are more than ever, more people are coming and visiting, you know, whether it's ATVs, snowmobiles, skiing, hiking, they're coming to the North Country. So I, I think, uh, you know, I, I would defunct that that myth that, uh, you know, it, it's, in a, it's in a bad place. It's the opposite. It's fun to watch, too. I've only been up there five and a half years, but uh, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch. And I think there's, a, there's some positive momentum and a lot of optimism. Well, as you point out, there's an economic vibrancy that's returning to the North Country that has not... Uh, had enough attention to it. Um, and as the, you know, the North country is redefining its economy, it's facing the same challenges as other parts of the, country, uh, of the state. And when it comes to not enough of uh, the workforce that's needed, um, and you know, it may be even exacerbated that there for a while, um, it was skewing much older than other parts of the state. There was a, a real challenge to hang on to younger people. They seem, you know, to to, to leave and, and aren't not return in, in the numbers that we see in other parts of the state. Can you talk about the role that the community college is playing up there in that? And what are some of the specific ways you're working with industry and you're working with high schools to change that? Yeah, great question. And it's a compounded question, right? You know, everyone you talk to, and this is not just the North Country, but it's, you know, obviously I'll discuss that matter. Uh, workforce, housing, childcare, <laughs> yep. top three yep. every day That's of the it. week. You know, how do we play a role in that? Well, number one, we have employees that need childcare. So whether it's them, you know, working remotely, occasionally having some flexibility, we also have students who need childcare. We're just as flexible with them. We have what's called high flex learning. If you can make it to class, want to come to class today, great. If not, we've got cameras come up. You can zoom in. You can do it asynchronously online. We allow the student flexibility. Uh, the other role we play, I think, is it, I call it as a convener. You know, we try to be a, you know, a resource, a backbone in the community, so bringing people together to discuss issues, strategies, but also how to, you know, how to try to combat some of these things. Uh, over in Littleton specifically, Mark Bonta, I'll name drop him, you know, plant manager over <laughs> yep. at Genfoot. He's all things housing. Uh, we've also we've brought him in to be really one of our partners uh, in, in our Pathways project because uh, Rural Pathways project, what that means for us is from high school and beyond into workforce is the guided pathway. It's no longer focusing just on there, you know, a couple of years with us in college. It's understanding, all right, how do we get more affordable? You know, 150 bucks for a running start college course while you're in high school, you cannot beat that anywhere. So students getting as many credits up the front as possible, coming to us with advising uh, and then career development. Mark Bonta, who I mentioned, is working on the back end of career, but also housing. Mm. You know, he, he's on several different coalitions in the area. He's got some projects, you know, under his thumb he's working with. Uh, and workforce is something, you know, I, I also want to just, just quickly say, you know, people say, how many graduates do you have? We want to put them into the workforce. <laughs> it's not exactly how this works. Our students 
a lot of them are already working. Right. You know, they're part-time students, they're working already. So a lot of this is really upskilling. Mm-hmm. So the students already have jobs, they're upskilling, and now we need to find the, the workforce to come in behind them and fill some of those, you know, entry-level positions that are left vacant from our students. So I think it's also a mind shift up there. But, you know, for us as a resource, a convener, and, and part of every conversation, frankly, you, you heard some of the, the boards I'm on, I'm trying to personally stay engaged, and I can make that same list for a lot of folks, you know, our faculty, our staff, our administrators are involved. Uh, just as much in the community as well. We've talked about some of the investment and the changing um, economic um, progressions that are going on in North Country, but that has included the community college. Uh, I've seen a flood of press releases that have been coming in about uh, that we alluded to in the introduction that I want to touch on. And one of them is you recently broke ground in an advanced technology building yeah. in Littleton. <laughs> so talk to us yeah. about... What is going to be in that building? Mm-hmm. Why is it important? And how much investment were you able to secure for this? Yeah, I mean, great question. And I'll go back. One of the first things when you two uh, you two are bantering to start with, of time flies, <laughs> time flies. Well, five and a half years in before we break ground on uh, on this thing, we've, we've been working on it. So mm-hmm. uh, time time doesn't fly, but persistence does matter. Mm-hmm. So one of, the, one of the things, you know, when I first started, we said, geez, we need a bigger place that is not leased for our diesel facility. We did a whole uh, SWOT analysis, where are students coming from, et cetera, et cetera. You know, clearly Littleton was the, the place to do some expansion because our students are coming up 90 they're coming over 91 from Vermont and, you know, by and large, you know, down from Lancaster, et cetera. Uh, so we knew we needed a bigger state-of-the-art facility. We need to move the location. And, uh, and that became something we wanted to work on. So number one, we purchased our, our facility that we had been leasing for 20 years, 646 Union Street in Littleton. Great little facility, started renovating that. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we have the LPN program there, so we had to kind of renovate and retrofit a lab. Uh, and then uh, we, said, we started doing a feasibility study. Can we build a facility here. And we said, yep, looks like it'll fit. So we went for it. And, uh, you know, we, I was just there the other day. We finally have footings in. Nice. 10,000 square feet of facility. So the, the primary is diesel heavy equipment technology, a hydraulics lab, et cetera. But we're also putting 10 welding booths in there. We want students in that area to be able to do welding, whether it's evenings, nights, weekends as well, outside of that diesel program. Uh, there's also a mezzanine, the Milton mezzanine, uh-huh. because Milton, <laughs> Milton Caterpillar, Chris Milton, you know, thank you so much. He donated a $200,000 chunk of change to us and pushed uh, Cat Corporate to give us another twenty-five. dollars uh, But the Milton Mezzanine's got a, a lab in it that we're going to look at. A combination of, of IT, industrial mechanics, manufacturing, sort of a, a hybrid lab of rotating programs through based on needs in, mm-hmm. the, in the area. So we've got some flexibility there, and uh, completion date's looking like May. And uh, the dollars north, you know, I always say is uh, it's hard to come by. We were the only capital project approved in the last biennium for the community college system. Five million dollars from the state of New Hampshire put right into the the program and and our project up there. You are a force, Chuck Lloyd. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the other forces, though, that you're working with, the partnerships that you've that you've developed. I know you've got a lot of uh, partnerships in industry, uh, local uh, business, local and, and, and regional businesses. Um, maybe start with the cat relationship because that's been an ongoing Mil- the Milton cat relationship, and and talk about some of the other partners that you're you're working with um, statewide or regionally. Yeah, you know, great question. You know, Milton cat number one is is always.
always hired our students, provided internships, scholarship dollars. I mean, just just been a great partner. And and when we approached them for this uh, ask, they didn't blink an eye. They said, "Yep, we want to support it." So they, I mean, number one, they're they're just they're up on the shelf. Uh, Kenworth, New England Kenworth has mm-hmm. been great because yeah. our program's not just off-road equipment; it's on-road. Uh, you know, Chapel tractors, John Deere. I mean, you name it, up and down. They just they've been great with our students. Uh, Grant State Truck Center, right in Littleton as well. Uh, that's the diesel program. But beyond that, partners. I, I almost ask it the opposite. Who is not a partner in the North Country? <laughs> right, you know, and they I, need to be. It, it's unbelievable. I mean, we have literally laundry lists of this. But, uh, you know, Allied Health is a great place because our clinical rotations, our students do not become nurses without having hospitals and, and, and facilities, healthcare facilities to host them. So, of course, Littleton Regional is, is one. AVH over in Berlin, Memorial, but also Weeks and, uh, you know, St. Vincent. I mean, you name it. I mean, all of the, the healthcare. Uh, but also our students need internship opportunities up and down. So businesses opening their door. I mean, let's talk about education. We need more teachers, plain and simple, from early (laughs) childhood all the way up through. And and all of the schools say, you know what, come in. You need to do your hours. You want to spend some time. You want to shadow. You want to be a para. They'll hire students, you know, in off hours and whatnot as well. So uh, up and down, some of our partners have been unbelievable. Uh, The partners that you don't think about that are behind the scenes, the New Hampshire Charitable Foundation, Mm. they've thrown a lot of money at supporting food insecurity for our students. Yeah, so Uh, that's a unique thing that you guys worked on during the pandemic. Talk more about that for a minute. To my knowledge, when we started it, we were the only ones doing it. But it was, uh, we call it Meals Include Ed. So free (laughs) breakfast, free free lunch, and a free meal uh, on Wednesday evenings for all students. And we underwrote that program from the Charitable Foundation. Uh, They've just been excellent. Uh, You know, that, that for students to show up, you come out of high school where if you have free and reduced lunch, you don't think about it. Now you show up and you've got to pay out of pocket for all your meals. There is a ton of research. I don't have to tell you that a full stomach, it, you know, allows for a full mind and, you know, be able to, to study and not think about where your next meal is coming from. Uh, so that's uh, in, this year we kicked off what's called Rides Included. So students uh, are able to ride the transit, uh, Tri-County Caps Transit free by showing their ID. We are underwriting that as well. Look at you go, man. So looking wow. at housing, <laughs> housing somehow we've got to figure out. We're starting with food and transportation just because <laughs> yep. that's, uh, you know, that's been on our plate. So that's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. And the Partners Charitable Foundation, Tillotson Fund, mm. of course, Mascoma Savings Bank has been excellent with us as wonderful. well. Wonderful, wonderful. And part of that too is that those are big barriers to, to um, students completing their degree programs that if you don't have enough money that you can't get to classes or you can't feed yourself, that's more likely that you're going to drop out. Can you talk about what dropout rates have been like and what have been, what's being done to ensure student success? Yeah, great question. And, uh, you know, just first, my one of my favorite days, my favorite day is always commencement. One of my favorite days last spring, uh, I went around with our one of our student Senate uh, members, and we did focus groups. What does this Meals Included program mean for you? We had four or five questions, and it was, it got emotional. Someone said, you know, if you didn't provide breakfast, there were days I wasn't going to eat because it's more important. I have to get my kids fed and out the door. And she said, that is the number one reason I stayed in this program. That is a nursing student. We would be one nurse short if we didn't provide that program. Wow. I mean, it's powerful. It, it is powerful. <laughs> Giving me goosebumps right now, Seriously. Chuck, really. So when like... you talk about what is it you do, how do you keep students? Number one, we have, we, have the, we have a 54% graduation rate for a community college. The New England average is 22. Wow. National average is 35. So 
how are we getting them through? And by the way, after that, there's about another 10%. They don't complete, but they transfer on because that was mm-hmm. their goal, Plymouth State, Granite State, whatnot. Yeah. How do we get them there? We have a very intensive, hands-on, customized approach to advising and onboarding students. We make sure they are aware of everything they're going to need. We get them registered. We talk to them about their lives and how much they need to work and how much they're going to need to study and transportation and get into knowing each student on an individualized basis and make sure if they do have any further questions, they know where to go. And then, you know, we we created what's called the Welcome Center. So when students walk in, the first thing they see are two smiling faces, two people, Suzanne and Asamina. You have any questions, you walk in there. There's a computer if you need to be shown how to do anything at all, if you have questions where things are, validating your ID for the transit or for coming in and getting your meals. It is very hands-on. It is very personnel, you know, high, heavy. But at the same time, students deserve that. Yeah, students deserve to have the best experience possible, and uh, you know that led to our our Aspen nominee, which was you know the top 150 schools. I call it the top 109 because that's where we landed. 109 out of over a <laughs> thousand community colleges in in the the U.S. So wow, congratulations! Uh, that's the approach. That's yeah. the fun part. Yeah. Um, well, and it's so interesting. Um, in November, um, one of my my uh, leadership New Hampshire meetings was at Plymouth State around education, um, and not only did they talk about how you know, Plymouth State had cut its early childhood program. Um, but they were, we ended up talking, having conversations about sort of the whole human, right? And what, and I'm listening to you going, okay, you're taking, you're literally taking care of and the whole human, you know, talking about their needs, their, the expectations, who are they, where they're at in life. Um, that's an amazing model for, gosh, folks in, you know, the rest of the public education system to, to take note of. Um, and obviously it's, it's working well for you and, and um, the students that are part of it. So, wow. Yeah, I mean, just to add one quick thing, I mean, we, I talked about all this pathways work, and the old mm-hmm. mantra of for colleges used to be, let's see if the student is college ready. How do we assess that? How do we evaluate <laughs> that? We've flipped the mindset to say, how do we make sure us as the college, we are student ready? Mm. Let's open the doors. Let's make sure they've got their basic needs met. Let's make sure they're comfortable, et cetera. We need to be student ready. Wow. I like that. Obviously, a lot of investment is being made. Um Can you talk about the challenges and how you rise above them when it comes to funding? New Hampshire, we're notorious for ranking last in the nation when it comes to our state support for our state and community college systems. Uh, The North Country is very used to not relying on Concord for funding, um, often is very much ignored when it comes to the budget. Uh, So when all that's compounded and you're, (laughs) you're the college Serving the North Country. <laughs> He's landed on thick here, isn't he? <laughs> I, can, I can see the sore spot. Um, can you talk about how do you ensure that you're able to serve your students given those funding challenges and how are you turning the tide of those? Are you? Yeah, I mean, loaded question, great question. You've obviously done your homework. 50th in the nation is not a place you want to be with, with higher ed funding. Uh, more with less has always you know, been a mantra, you know, in New Hampshire, frankly, but the North Country even more. I mean, MacGyver, Big Borrow and Steel, you know, duct tape, put it together. <laughs> uh, I, I have a couple of philosophies. Number one, how does this impact students? If we were ever to change something, cut something, reinvest ROI, uh, you know, we, we've invested in, in additional student advisors because of what I just talked about with the holistic approach. We've, we've hired new advisors. Why? Because every one of those students who comes but stays 
also is here for the duration. That is what student success looks like. Uh, I also, you know, we have a philosophy around advocacy. I'm not shy about calling our, our local state reps, Senate, uh, calling down to Concord, going down and testifying. I did a lot last year, this upcoming budget cycle. I would not be surprised to, to spend some time to explain to people that if we are to put more money, the, the ripple effect is fivefold of investing in social and economic mobility in students and what that looks like for citizens and community service and leadership in local communities. The ripple effect for workforce is compounded. So I, I think there are there are some easy ways to advocate. So we've been doing that. But also, you know, the money we don't get from the state, we are also out looking for large grants. We're part of, uh, I mentioned Northern Borders Regional Commission has been great with us. Tillotson has been great. Uh, but we also are, are out on the national level. We just got underwritten. I mentioned Pathways, Rural Pathways. We got funded by Ascendium for, it's going to work out to be about $80,000, to send eight members from a team to go out and get trained and learn even more ways to look at student pathways. So we're also trying to invest in our people, investing in our employees through professional development, because if you don't invest in your people, they're not investing in your customer, which in this case is our student. Mm -hmm. And I did want to talk to you about the Rural Pathways program a bit more. It's been coming up, but I think, you know, can you talk about, um, for our listeners specifically, what this federal program is, how White Mountains Community College of all the community colleges in the country, you're among the very elite groups selected for this and what it means. Yeah. I mean, first of all, it's nice for someone federally to be paying attention to rural. Let mm-hmm. me just say that. It's always the the big schools where let's get scale, we'll have numbers and, you know, parlay it for another grant. This is not that. Uh, this is, uh, there was an application process, over 150 schools applied because this is, you know, like I mentioned, it's free professional development, but it's what we should be doing for pathways and students. Mm-hmm. So we are one of 16 rural community colleges, the only one on the Eastern seaboard, uh, only one uh, this side of the Mississippi, frankly, that was it was selected, and uh, and we are learning from arguably the best, not even arguably, I mean, Community College Research Center out of Columbia, Davis Jenkins, who if you read anything about community colleges, he's the guy. Gretchen Smith, Chris Baldwin, bringing in subject matter experts, provided with a coach who will be flying out uh, next month just to spend some time with us and say, how can we help your student pathways, looking at your academic portfolio, making sure there are fewer barriers to completion, looking at cutting-edge research, looking at our data, I mean... It's unbelievable. I mean, this this is the type of experience that, uh, as a college president, I would say, geez, I'd pay a lot of money for this. And uh, for us, it's happening free. And we were selected because, uh, you know, we we are at that Aspen you know level threshold, but we need we've still got a lot of work to do. And they want to say, all right, how do we move the needle? Because that's our goal. And uh, they said we're only going to have you if you're all in. I said I'm all in. You know, they require the presidents to be at every single event, every semester. We take a week long. We, we just went to Wyoming this October. Uh, we're going to Alabama in the spring. We do week-long intensive coaching, uh, subject matter experts, trainings. I mean, it is, it's, it's not a conference. It's an all-day intensive each day for a week. So it's a lot of fun. And it's not the only national recognition you've gotten. So can you talk to us about earning best college to work for designation. Yeah, I mean, that I, I take a lot of pride in that one because uh, we were not in that place five, six years ago when we started. And, uh, you know, communication and transparency up front just lead the way to, to you know, increasing morale. And I, I mentioned the investment in, in, our, in our faculty and staff. Uh, when I started, we did not have professional development funds. 
we started earmarking professional development money the second I got on campus. And knock on wood, uh, at this moment, we have not turned down any professional development requests from our faculty or staff. Uh, what that leads to is people saying, geez, they're investing in me. Mm-hmm. I love coming to work here. Uh, through the pandemic, you know, I'd like to think we did a nice job managing it, managing the balance of safety and education and the holistic approach to uh, working with our students. And, you know, on two different measures, you know, number one, you know, benefits, uh, which, you know, PD is certainly one of those professional professional development, but pride. Pride was number one, which led us, you know, over the top to be a great college to work for. Uh, and I, I just think with, you know, working at a place where the sense of pride is high, how much fun is that? You know, so how do we how do we double down and keep that going? But yeah, that's a that's a national designation. But uh, I just look around our community and that is that's a that's a pure community feel. And that also transcends to our students. How cool is that as a student to say, I'm going to a place where it's a lot of fun to work there. People enjoy being there. Right. How cool is that? Yeah, you can feel it. You can see it. You can hear it for sure. Um, You and the entire team in the system are really providing foundations for the rest of people's lives. Um, So uh, before we wrap, I want to ask you a question, um, maybe to dig into, you know, who you were uh, many moons ago, but who helped you to... uh, create some foundations? Who were the, the folks, the mentors, the important folks in your life uh, that made the chuck that we thankfully get uh, these days and all the good work you're doing? So who were the folks that sort of helped you um, build your foundations? Yeah, I often tell people I've got I've got mentors in, in all directions. <laughs> you know, I, I'd love to say I accomplished some of this on my own. I think I was just, you know, given a path and, and kind of pushed down it, you know, slammed down it, if you will. Uh, Marty Hunt, who hired me, she's my number one mentor in the world. I run all my thinking and ideas by her. She used to be the chair of the uh, business department at NHTI. Again, she hired me and, you know, put me out there from completing more degrees to getting into teaching and doing conferences and whatnot, and really kind of helped me personally develop. Uh, Paul Hogan was a an NHTI men's basketball coach, athletic director, recently retired. Uh, same, just pushing and, and, and a sounding board. Steve Casha was a vice president of student affairs. So I had professional mentors, but I also tell people that students mentor me. You know, I just mentioned that moment, you know, doing focus groups, you know, with students and talking with them and catching them in the halls. You know, they're, they're, I almost feel like I'm a ping pong ball of, you know, when I bump into a student, I hear something, I hear a message, something they need or comments like, okay, that That'll help me with my next decision I mm-hmm. need to make. That I just try to soak all that in, and it bounces me in the right direction. So uh, trying, to, trying to bounce off of folks a little bit. It's very obvious you've been shaped, too, about rural communities and education in itself. You know, Franklin and Keene and Plymouth, these are all very integral parts of your life. Um, can you talk about what about your own personal journey and your educational journey informs what you're doing now in leading White Mountains Community College and investing in the rural communities in the North Country? Yeah, great question. I mean, for me, I was not, you know, I was not a great student growing up. You know, I didn't have all of the options leaving Franklin. You know, Keene was my option at that moment. Uh, And, you know, one of the things I think about that now, I always think back to myself as a 17, 18 year old and saying, what does college going look like? What is a college going mindset? So I'm always trying to relate to students. I go in and speak to students, you know, in the high school, 17, 18-year-olds, and say, you know, what are you doing? Why and where are you going? And they, some of them really hadn't thought about it. You know, some of them are, are thinking, I'm not college material. Everyone can be college material. Community colleges are there. We're here for everyone. You know, I, I, as I go through, I was not a strong student. I, I didn't enjoy education probably until my master's degree, frankly. Uh, and I'm somebody that... 
you know, I, I think there are a lot of people, in, not just rural, but New Hampshire and otherwise, that, that can relate to that message. So anytime I have an opportunity to get in front of an audience or talk one-on-one with students and say, look, I was not college material. Uh, I was somebody who thought college was for the other guy and I should go find a job and, you know, at that point make eight bucks an hour. Now you can make 20 bucks at Subway. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think just also providing a quality life and, and having people that are going to learn. And it's not just a, you know, a technical program, but learn about yourself. Learn about who you are, and I think that's the the best mirror and best best window, frankly, into uh, into somebody's life and how they can contribute to society. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, a great way to wrap. Thank you so much uh, for for joining us, for telling your story, um, for for being a champion for students and for the North Country, frankly, and uh, such a joy to have you and and learn a little bit more, as it were. Nathan, Matt, thanks so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. All right, Chuck Lloyd is president of White Mountains Community College. Thanks again. And now the buzz. In the November issue of Business New Hampshire magazine, Phil Sletton, the research director of the New Hampshire Fiscal Policy Institute, wrote an article uh, about how federal aid is reducing poverty and boosting the New Hampshire economy. And, you know, federal aid, or aid of any kind, is a big political football, as we know, right? You know, it depends on how you look at it. Is it a handout or a, a lift up? And that is the big debate. Um, and so what Phil did was take a look at the statistics because there was a lot of federal aid that flowed out during the pandemic mm-hmm. um, as we had economic uncertainty, unemployment, strife. And what did that look like uh, for New Hampshire? And he really came up with some interesting um, points about what that economic impact was here in the state. Yeah. So um, the, well, the American Rescue Plan um, with some of the targeted relief policies that the federal government established in 2020, um, ARPA, the American Rescue Plan Act, um, in March of 21 kind of continued uh, several of those of those targets. And there's impact, positive impact in a number of ways here in New Hampshire. Um, one of them that I, I mean, I, I pulled out right away from this, um, is that it, the, you know, always thinking as, as a business guy about return on investment, right? So likely generated more than a dollar in economic activity for each dollar invested. So there is a return on, on the, the money spent, which is a great argument you could say for, federal stimulus or, you know, assistance in this way. Right. And specifically, he took a look at enhanced food assistance, Mm -hmm. um, as well as the expanded child tax tax credit and the earned income tax credit, and how these each boosted. And, um, you know, all these policies, he states, likely generate more than a dollar in economic activity for each dollar invested. Right. Um, to the Which is amazing. tune of a dollar sixty one, a dollar fifty nine, a dollar yeah. twenty five, depending on the program. Right. Um, so you know we were seeing that with investment um, that you were seeing a return. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, he says you know there was a in dis- July through December of twenty twenty one about three hundred twenty point seven million dollars flowed to New Hampshire families. New Hampshire through, families that's through, huge through advanced monthly payments of the child tax credit. And those payments help grant staters afford things like mm-hmm. food and rent, utilities, educational expenses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's money that was flowing right back into the communities. Right. right. Uh, but the challenge is, is that as 
inflation is accelerating. It's being coupled with the end of many of these assistance programs. And that means about one in three Granite State adults are reporting it being difficult to pay for their usual household expenses during this past summer, mm. which I imagine is only going to be exacerbated now as we head into a winter months a winter. and heating uh, comes into play. Yeah. And that's what we're buzzing about this week. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a production of Granite Media Group.